Hey guys, welcome to our podcast at the Clemson Foothills Church. We're glad you're here. Join us as we discover what the Bible says about Jesus loving God and serving each other. Feel free to visit our website at clemsonfoothills.com and find us on Facebook at Clemson Foothills Church. At CFC, we're just a group of people following Jesus and helping others do the same. So hopefully this podcast will be useful to you. Now let's dive into the episode for this week. until today, and um, this is the summary for the most part, is we've heard about two great callings, and both are marked by a life of love for God and our neighbors. The two are follow me and go as my apprentices and co-heirs to teach others this new life, okay? And we're taking this kind of large view of what did Jesus mean when he said, like, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And then he, then when all was said and done, he said, now go. You're going to go and do the things in Jesus' life he said that he did. And so we've asked the question, well, what did he mean by that? And I would encourage you to go back and listen to those. And you can pay attention that we have a lot of different uh, videos, articles, lessons, all of these things on our website that have brought us to this place right here, okay? But um, what we're really trying to do um, is to hear the voice of Jesus to become a community that he's called us to be. And I think sometimes it's very easy to view church as just this, it's a place we go to and you just, you try to be good during the week, okay? Like try your best to do good and, and that's enough and that's plenty except Here's the interesting thing. We've gathered here today, okay? And, and what we're meant to become is a community of people that is, that is truly meant to, to upend what the rest of the world sees as normal, okay? And the, the whole world sees a certain way of life as something normal to live for yourself, right? To live by your own desires, to look out for yourself, to to just give in to every single, like, desire and to make yourself somebody. Okay, that's what the entire world is. And then God is saying, no, no, I'm going to bring a community of people together that is going to subvert the world. Okay, so there, there is that mission that we all come together for, okay? And here's the interesting thing is something that's so vital for us to keep in mind. Because if we're not careful... We spent a few weeks talking about this idea of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and Matthew 6 and Matthew 7, okay? And essentially, all right, this is the way that, that Jesus teaches us on what it looks like to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, all right? He describes it in these three chapters, which is absolutely amazing. But if we're not careful, we can kind of trade a philosophy of the world with another philosophy, just a religious philosophy or just a group of principles that we look at and we, and we go, oh, okay, these are the new principles I'm going to live by. But we forget 
the initial, like what we started with is Jesus, the King, the Christ, the anointed one, our Messiah, right? Is he's offering something that cannot be found anywhere in the world. This is actually new life. Okay, that, that's, that's an interesting thing, okay, that no one else can do. Is he actually said that my people, who I am calling out of the world, remember we talked about being born again, they're actually going to die and I'm going to bring them to new life. Right, that's so important to keep in mind because he's saying I'm giving them new life to live this out. I'm giving them true hope, okay? Remember, he's saying to follow him, there are going to be times where we're all going to be bruised and battered and mistreated and treated unfairly and unjustly. Those things are going to happen. And he's like, but no, even in those times, if there's an anchor to hang on to, it's the idea of that there's true hope and real, honest refuge. And what I mean by that is... Um, we, we live, our times right now that we live in are so uncertain and so unsettled. We're about to begin, if you haven't realized it yet, like we're a year away from another presidential election, okay? And you've heard me plenty about that. We're not citizens of this kingdom. Okay, like to be honest with you, there's going to be a lot of temptation in the next year. To want to wrap our arms around this world and to think that, that there are human beings that can actually create something that rivals the kingdom of Jesus. Right. Okay? Like we're gonna we're gonna be talking a lot about that. Hey, let's avoid that at all costs, okay? Because when things are crazy and chaotic, you don't know what we do as human beings. We want to look for somewhere that's safe. We want to look somewhere that is like, okay, it's going to have enough resources. We want to look for some place that, that, that gives us like a solution to our anxiety, okay? Because that's really, if, if you haven't stopped long enough to realize the, the natural production of the world we know is to produce anxiety. Like that's the natural production, okay? And just picture the entire world is running around kind of like chickens with their heads cut off looking for some kind of refuge, and we do it as well, right? We look for refuge in a place of maybe financial security, if I could just have that. Or relational security, if I could just find that, okay? Maybe if I could just, like, achieve something, I could have some kind of security. When Jesus is going, no, actually, your entire refuge, okay, is he's actually offering the only answer to anxiety, and the only answer to security, the only answer to abundance, okay, is there's, that's what's being offered. If we forget that, we go, man, Keith, that was just a bunch of hard teachings that he gave. All right? He, he's, he's sharing with us what his kingdom is, except if you haven't, like, realized yet, these three chapters that we've been reading might be the three chapters that, for the most part, Christians in general would say, I don't agree with Jesus on that. For, for the most part, we would say, and again, I'm painting with a very broad brush outside of this room as well. But for the most part, we would say, no, you can be a Christian. You, you could be a Christian and still perfectly hate people around you. Like, we would disagree with Jesus' teachings when he said, no, 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 there's no hating anymore. In fact, 
Jesus calls us to deal with us. All right, that's, that's the sound of like kingdom teaching. It's not just keep doing it, but be saved while you do it. All right, is he's painting this picture, and if we are, are, are aware, he's going, no, I'm, I'm calling you to a new life. Like nothing good comes from hating somebody. Nothing good comes from, from retaliating against somebody. Nothing good comes from indulging in, your, in our own lustful desires. Nothing good comes from that. Yeah. Right? But, if, but, but Christian communities everywhere, man, oftentimes are like, man, but if we adhere to that, nobody's going to really want to do it. It's too hard. But this is what he's offering. We have to remember, we've got to remember that this is what it's all about. And we've got to ask ourselves, is this my reality? Because it's so easy. This isn't just like a one-time thing you get, you know? You're just like, oh, I have it. It's perfect. And, I, and I'm in that headspace all the time. Okay? This is really a challenge daily. It's a challenge for me daily to remember this. And this goes along with Carl, which you were talking about with communion. You did a really great job, man. But this is what we're talking about here, okay? And so let's turn and pick up where we left off last week. We're going to finish up this chapter in Matthew 7, and we're actually finishing up the entirety of this Sermon on the Mount, of these teachings of Jesus here. And so uh, Matthew 7, verse 13, I'm going to read all of this. We're going to finish up this chapter, and then we're going to go back. We're going to take a look at, at all of this. So Matthew 7, 13, um, and again, really pay attention to the words here, right? Because... Uh, what, what, other, what other kind of like word of caution as we go into this? And my goal is not to make us feel insecure or to feel like scared or something like that. But there is something we all have in common that let's allow this to go by the wayside. Is oftentimes we become our own standard. Meaning, since I'm a Christian... How I'm living and how I'm making decisions is what Jesus would do. Versus, or the opposite of that is, as an apprentice of Jesus, having made that decision to be his apprentice, to be his child, to be born again, as that person, I continually want to hear his teaching to challenge my own decision making. Okay, now this, you may have, if that was too fast, okay, listen to the recording. But that, this is a really important thing. Oftentimes we become our own standard. I am a Christian, so therefore everything I'm doing is right and correct and true. Versus the humility of an apprentice of Jesus, you teach us your word. And let me challenge my current thinking and my current way of living, okay? So Matthew 7, 13, Jesus says this, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and how difficult the road that leads to life, and a few find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good, good tree produces good fruit, 
But a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit. Neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you'll recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and we drove out demons in your name and we did many miracles in your name and I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. And it's collapsed. When Jesus had finished his sermon, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. Okay, so here's like this ending point right here. He's, he's really stopped giving you like specific teachings on necessarily what to do. And he's talking about like, how should we be here? Okay, and in verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. It, so what's the best way to approach this? Because there's lots of different metaphors and all these kind of things is one of the things that's helpful for me, depending on how often you've heard this preached or how often maybe you've done quiet times on this or how often you've heard podcasts on this or whatever, is reading this and attempting to read this as if it was the first time, the first time that we heard this. Like the first time, what did the original hearers hear? Okay, and he says this, and keep in mind, please, this is Jesus' teaching. Right? These are his, his words. Enter through the narrow gate. He says there's two gates here. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. So, so what's important is Jesus is giving us a, just a truth. All right? And he's trying to get us to understand a spiritual truth through this metaphor. And he said, be, be very cautious. Like, be very aware of this. Okay? And he paints this picture. He's like, there's like these two gates like there's a narrow gate, there's a broad gate. He said, one gate, he said, actually, like it's very broad, it's very spacious, it leads to destruction, and many, many, like many people go through this. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. So there's a number of different things. First of all, let me hopefully allow this text to just challenge your theology. The idea of, you know, our view is, well, the majority of people are going to know Jesus. Like the majority of people are going to like, like that's what's going to happen, okay? Like one of the things that we find great security in is we want to find like, I want big groups that I can be around. And, and listen, here, it's easy for me to say, you're like, well, of course you're going to say that, Keith. I mean, this is a small church, okay? The point isn't the church that I'm talking about. The idea, though, oftentimes is I want to be around where there's lots of people who have all decided to do this. 
He said, well, the narrow gate is full of difficulties. That's the actual translation. He says, few find it, right? And it's full of difficulties. He said, but there's a broad gate and a broad road, and many will find that. But what's he talking about here? I mean, he's simply wrapping up all of the teachings that he's already taught. He said, this is about the, the narrow gate truly, simply put, is about the decision, will I trust in the way of Jesus or not? Will I live in accordance with his teachings or not? That, that's the simplest understanding for that. Right? And he said, now here's the deal, is, is the road that's broad and it leads to destruction, it's this idea of, man, everything goes. Like, that truly is the description of our world. Like, hey, there's plenty of ways. Go and find one of those ways. Find one of those religious ways or find one of those nice ways or find one of those ways that tells you what you're doing is okay. Like, there's plenty of those. That's a broad road. And does it alarm you that Jesus says that there's a road that will lead to destruction? And Jesus himself says that actually more people will find that than find him. Why is that important? I think it might be doubly important in living in kind of our religious world. Because there isn't anything more offensive than to say that somebody isn't on the narrow road. There's nothing that seems to be more offensive. There's nothing that may get any one of us persecuted more than even suggest that somebody is not on a way that is the way that Jesus is teaching. All right? Have you noticed that his teachings in these two chapters have been very specific? Have you noticed that? Like, have you noticed that he's gone after, like, every single one of those areas that we would naturally go, this is just how humans are, Jesus. Yeah, no, yeah. Okay? And he's gone after those. And he is, he is, he is like, revealed those in us. And, again, what, what, what's vitally important to keep in mind is this isn't Jesus going, how can I come up with a really difficult life for people to live? How can I make it so hard that it will be miserable for them? That's not the point. He's actually describing what new life looks like. What having hope looks like. He's actually describing this. Like, like if, if in fact we want to live in a world and have like a, an answer for anxiety and an answer for stress and an answer for, you know, life and all that kind of stuff and an answer for something beyond politics and something beyond, like, whoever our latest influencer is. If, you're, if you want something like that, then Jesus said there's a very clear and specific way. And, and that is, boy, if there's anything that is outside of the language that we speak in our world today to go, hold on a minute, are you talking about there's an exclusivity to Jesus? That, that's exactly what this teaching is saying. It's exactly what he's talking about here when he's saying to do this. And he begins, or he moves on from that, and he said, so here's one of the interesting things. Jesus gave every single one of us in here this brain. It's meant to be used, okay? There's a lot of different aspects to how our mind works and all that kind of stuff. But here's the interesting thing. We're actually supposed to be thinking through this, okay? And so he said, here's what I want you to do, but beware of false prophets. Beware of people that come to you with a message that isn't Jesus's message. Beware. Well, how will I know? It's, we have to be intentionally thoughtful, okay? 
That's, that's one of the things, is this idea of a present awareness. So what do I mean by that? I want you to right now get in touch with what is going on in your mind right now this second. Like, where have you been? Okay, has just been like, oh man, I'm, I'm really hungry and I'm, I'm thinking about something later or I'm thinking about what I'm missing right now or I'm thinking about where I'd rather be or I'm thinking like, you know, all of these different things. There's a requirement of a present awareness of what is going on around me right now and not just on a Sunday afternoon, but cultivating this as we live. I think one of the things we all have in common that we've all been affected by through our screens has been this idea of like everything in our brain is fast forward. Everything's a rush. There's not enough time to do anything. Like hurry up and get this over with, man. Like like I've got other things to do and this constant feel like, like I can't just be present. But he's saying beware of false prophets. Beware, because there will be people that come, and they will give you a message about Jesus that isn't Jesus' message. Now, now, let me be very clear about something. I, I know uh, Christian churches everywhere, man, we're tribes. We're all tribal. And, and essentially, what almost every church has in common is everyone thinks that their doctrine is the right doctrine, yep. and that's what they live and die on. If we have the right doctrine, I'm saved. Let's crumple that up and let's just like throw that away. Okay, I don't care if you grew up, if it's a Presbyterian church you grew up in, or a Methodist church, or a Catholic church, or a Baptist church, or a non-denominational church, or an ICOC church, or a church, whatever. Okay, is is let's abandon like the idea that my correct doctrine is what saves me. Okay, is Jesus is saying no? Actually, you following me is what a saved relationship looks like. Okay, that, that's very, very important because, again, I think it's just too easy in churches today to go, no, man, I'm in a church that teaches the right doctrine. Okay, all right, man, you can have all the right information in the world, but following Jesus means that we're apprentices of him living as he would live and learning to live that way. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. He said, you'll recognize them by their fruit. Are they living this as well? Have, have you noticed that? That oftentimes the, the messengers of Jesus, boy, there's the greatest of moral failings that come with that in our, in our popular world of Christianity is the greatest of moral failings. And he's like, well, no, listen, beware. So that means, like, as we're listening to me, as we're listening to my favorite podcast, as I'm listening to whatever, is this idea of everything has to go back to, is this consistent with the Word of God? And before I, like, grab onto some teaching that I think is really fantastic and new and all that kind of stuff, is the person even living this? Okay, let me give you a description here. You can hang on to this because it may take you a minute to find. 
in the book of Jude, there's one chapter, okay? Now, Jude presumably is Jesus' brother. He describes perfectly the false prophet. These people are discontented grumblers, walking according to their desires. Their mouths utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own advantage. Nice. That's Jude chapter, or not, I mean, verse 16 or something. Chapter. Beware of these guys. How? We have to be aware. We have to be aware of what we're listening to, who we're listening to, and who our king is. Is that consistent? And is, is there a life that's lived going along with that, okay? And he, he gives them this metaphor of, of thorn bushes and figs and thistles. And he said, he said, here's the interesting thing we know in nature. We know that you don't go to an apple tree to find like pears. You know that. You know a tree, so there's a message of Jesus. Again, we talked about this about a month ago, the integrity of the message, why it's so important. And again, this isn't the other people, but this is even us. Why is it so important that this message that we're passing along is consistent with how we're living? And this is vitally important. It's not just having a message and sending it out there, okay? He says, beware of false prophets. Enter through the narrow gate. This idea of being aware of what's going on in my present context. Right? Not thinking ahead, not thinking two hours ahead, anything like that, okay? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay? This is crazy. It's almost like Jesus kind of knew what our world would be like. Here's what's, what's important is I, I think so we're, we're in a place and this is a safe place okay I think for the most part we're content and fine with reading scripture and, and and having kind of an idea of what this means okay but I want you to think about what this looks like outside of these walls as an apprentice of Jesus as an apprentice we're going yes to our king, we're going, yeah, these are the teaching. This is the way it's supposed to be done. This is the way that you're having us do this. There is a narrow gate, and there is a broad road that leads to destruction. There are these things, and there are people that are sending messages supposedly about Jesus that have nothing to do with Jesus. And then he says, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, not everyone who says that I'm their Lord will be in the kingdom. Like, this is tough stuff. Because pretty much the foundation of everything Christians agree on is the idea of you say Jesus is Lord and you're fine. It's almost the, this is undercutting everything me and you are comfortable about. This is what we want. Why say outside of the, the confines and the walls here? Is because here's the interesting thing is, is we may go and live a life in a way that we go, but Jesus, you can say that, but I don't believe that to be true at all. He says, he says, uh, many will say, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? He said that there actually will be people when he comes back. And they'll go, but, but Lord, I, I actually told people about you. I mean, I was, I, I was getting your message out. And I did miracles in your name. And I healed people in your name. 
And he said, I never knew you. Okay, if nothing else, what is the weight of this passage, okay? The, the weight of this passage should, should show us the desperate need of our world for there to be a teaching about Jesus' ways. Okay? Now, now, here's the interesting thing, is we can be like, when it's generic, like, pe- you know, when we think of like, oh yeah, there will be people who say, Lord, Lord, and we did all these things, and you're not going to let me in your kingdom? You're not redeeming me? You're not making me back to life? Look what all I did for you. Okay? When it's generic and faceless, that's one thing. Here's my fear. There are families of brothers and sisters who are perishing because we're scared to talk to them about what it means to follow Jesus. Because of a sense of going, no man, but they're my family. They have to be saved. No, but you don't understand. I sat in church every week with my family. Okay, this is how offensive this teaching is. Jesus is saying, no, you could not only sit in church with them, you could have sat around a healing with them. You could have sat around a teaching with them. You could have sat around all of those things with them, okay? But here's the deal, okay? He says this. Um, uh, On that day, many, uh, no, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. He said that discipleship is not just about trying to be good. It's about above and beyond everything else, wanting what God wants here on this earth and being an apprentice to that end. That we want that above and beyond everything else. Well, what does God want? That's the question. What is his will? We've read what his will is. He he wants what began in the beginning, okay? When there was Eden, he said, I've created this perfect place with people who are in communion with me, who I walk with, okay? He goes, I want that back. I want that to be alive here on this earth right now. Like, I want my people to be taking this message to other people so they can have the opportunity for new life. But the problem is, is we've already allowed the world to set the order. Okay, well, what do I mean by that? Okay, so what the world says is that you are at the mercy of your employer. And so we go, okay, dude, I got a job that takes up all my time. So I mean, I got to figure out how Christianity fits into that. Right? We, we already decided, we've let the world set the order instead of going, hold up a minute. What will it take to do the will of God in my life? And not as an individual, but in a community. Then the world doesn't set the order. Jesus sets the order, and if I find an area of my life that is not allowing that order to be to, to occur, that goes. 
The community of Jesus should be a people where jobs are quit occasionally. Now, now pay attention to what I'm saying. I'm not saying you have to quit your job to be a Christian. I'm saying, though, in a community, like, unless we all come together, we're like, no, we actually all do it perfect already. There should be that happening periodically. There should be professions changing periodically. There, there, should be, there should be different ways, that different memberships we have and all that kind of stuff to be dropping by the wayside to go, we want what God wants. And the world has set a standard that isn't allowing me to do that. And so the world has to go. I'm in a relationship that doesn't allow for that, okay? It doesn't, it's not then how do I fit Christianity into my poor relationship? No, the relationship goes. Right? Whatever it is, the standard of Jesus comes first, okay? And so, heaven forbid, I mean, this is one of the things where, where I wanted to start out with the non-college students of going, of examining this idea of there's a very good possibility maybe in my head that, man, I am doing something that is in the way of even allowing me to do the will of God. All right? And it's the same on a college campus. Is we say, well, no, my Lord is my college professors. They tell me what to do. And then I try to figure out how to be a Christian around them. Okay. No, there, there has to be an opposite. There has to be, there, there has to be a subversion of that. Okay, so in a, in a healthy community, presumably there may even be students at times go, I can't go anymore to school. Well, what on earth? He, like, are you telling us, like, then, then I won't have a job, and I won't, what am I supposed to do? And I'll, now hold up a minute. So there's nobody with a job in our world that doesn't have a college degree? Is that true? Well, no, no, it's the kind of job. You don't understand. So it's the kind of job. See, it becomes about us being Lord. Like, I couldn't imagine. What if I had to work professionally, like, just working at a fast food place? Okay? This is where all of the prejudice, this is where all of the worldliness, this is where everything comes out. We would think that is a failure in life. Okay? Now, the, the failure is allowing the world to set the standard that we then try to wrap Jesus around. Yes. Okay? So maybe our employers and our teachers and our, and our friends and all that kind of stuff need to start hearing things like, no, I can't do what you're asking me to do because I have a priority of the kingdom ahead of you. Like, maybe that needs to be heard more. Okay? Instead of like, oh man, I know, oh man, I know my prayer group is meeting this week, but somebody has already determined that I can't be a part of that. Maybe the, those guys need to hear, no, I can't come and do what you're asking me. Like I have a community to be a part of. This is difficult, man, it just is. I mean, the deeper you get into this, this starts like poking holes at us. And going, do, do I want the will of God above all else? Like, actually, I'll be happy when he gets what he wants. But that honestly may cost us things, money and 
leisure, maybe different things like this, okay? This is, he's calling us to this, an intentional evaluation of what's going on in my life right now. An intentional evaluation of, do I know what God's will is? Am I, am I living in my profession as if that is the ministry that I lead? Right? Am, am, I, am I living in this way? It requires to be present. It requires an intentional evaluation of me. Are the decisions that I make based on, you know, what the world is telling me I have to have? Okay? Right. It's a, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord. Right? Like, that seems kind of crazy that most churches, what they end up doing is, at the end of service, they're like, hey, if you want Jesus to be your Lord, come up and, and confess him as your Lord. Isn't that crazy if somebody came up and said, but dude, why are you asking me to do something that Jesus told me not to do? It's crazy. The, the world has kind of like taken over, but Jesus is clear on this. Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord. Therefore, everyone who hears these words and come, and, and can you imagine sitting at the feet of Jesus and hearing this? How challenging this would be? It would be amazingly challenging, okay? He says, therefore, because of this, everyone who hears my words and acts on them, you'll be like a sensible person who built their house. He paints this beautiful picture, this metaphor. You're gonna, your house will be built on this solid foundation. And here's the deal is, in this world, there's going to be craziness and chaos and all kinds of junk come at you. That house will not fall. He said, that house will endure through the most difficult times. He said, or there's a second thing, you can be a foolish person and you can, and it's just you're building something. Presumably he's saying you're building life on him. Okay, he's saying like, okay, like, yeah, you, you're trying to build something, but because there's not acting on the teachings of Jesus, he said there will be things that come and the collapse will be great. This is a sobering teaching. This is just, this is a sobering, sobering teaching here, okay? And what does it call for? I put up here the words that Jesus used. He says those who practice the words, okay? I put up here humble practice. Because here's the reason why. A lot, of, a lot of the language that we can even learn in the religious world is how to like talk around things using religious words, yeah. okay? Meaning like, oh man, um, yeah, this is this is a common thing that 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 can be heard oftentimes. Is oh yeah, man, I'm doing good. I mean, no one's perfect, you know. No one's perfect. Thank God for His grace, but I'm doing really well. I go, man, that sounds great. I don't know what it means. <laughs> like, isn't this weird theology? Like, hey, if I say nobody's perfect then that means like all the areas that I'm not living the way Jesus taught are now okay? Humble practice is something different than that. It isn't just going, hey man, I'm really trying to do it, but no one's perfect and I'm kind of okay with it, like my failures in this. Humble practice is this acknowledgement of I'm not, like I'm, I'm having a hard time in specific areas, 
Maybe, maybe it's being judgmental. Maybe it's in, maybe you're involved in pornography. Maybe you're lying. Maybe you're not, you know, treating people well and you hate people and you're retaliatory and you're, you know, all of these different things. The, the goal isn't to go, man, I'm not, no one's perfect, but thank God for his grace. Okay, there, there's a different sound when we're humble practitioners of his word. If I'm living in a way that isn't in line with the teachings of Jesus, but I'm listening to his teachings for that to change. See, that sounds different. That's the acknowledgement that, oh man, yeah, how are things going? Man, there's some areas in my life I'm not in line with Jesus, but I am in every way possible hearing his voice and repenting of that. That's a humble practitioner of this. What's his aim? The aim of God in history is the creation of an all-inclusive community of loving persons with himself included in that community as its prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. That's one you kind of have to let sit on you for just a little bit. What is Jesus' teachings about? Why is he teaching like so difficult? Why is he not down with how churches do things? Why isn't he just like lighten up a little bit, man? Like it's okay, be easy. We're all trying. Why isn't he just like okay with all of that? Because of this. It's this idea of how do you become a holy community? A kingdom outpost. Somebody that doesn't just have an invitation to give, but somebody that actually has a life to show as an apprentice of Jesus. Okay, for this reason right here is that he's building a community where he himself is included as the prime sustainer and most glorious inhabitant. What are we supposed to do with this? The end of this teaching here is there's one thing, and it's always the same every single week, is going back and prayerfully studying out these teachings. Prayerfully digging into this and going, okay, let me put my heart into this. Let me apply my heart to this. Is this accurately what, is he describing me here? Like, what's going on? Let me, like, be present. Let me, you know, let me evaluate. Let me be a humble practitioner here. You know, it's, it, it's going to take some time on our part for this, okay? There's, there's a few things here that I'd like for us to take away from. Just a few prayer points. You can go ahead and put these in here. This is, there's nothing special about the wording here. This is just my own words here of just some prayer points. Father, we desire your intervention into our lives. Teach us to live in the present, in your presence. Father, we welcome every way you desire to teach us, whether through your word, through others, through our circumstances, through all of those together. Because the culmination of this teaching isn't somebody who can behave better than somebody else. It truly is becoming a people of prayer, of, of generous prayer, of seeking prayer, a, a prayer of guidance, prayer of, of humility. Father, please remove the influence and teaching of the evil one. Remove from our minds the false security, the false abundance, and the false life that Satan fraudulently tries to make us believe. This is happening everywhere all the time. Okay? Is there's a fraud happening. And we're trying and like the, the we're trying to be sold 
this idea. And just, again, you can kind of make up your own prayer points if you want. This is just hopefully kind of helpful starting place. Father, reveal any false thing inside of us. Lead us from a faith that talks about, that talks but requires no action. Lead us from a faith that doesn't desire your will above all. As I was studying this out, this is what culminated in my mind. Was this, of going back to the king and going, Jesus, I, I must have help in this. Okay? I, I must have help for you to, to, to keep bad things away and to and to help me to understand the good things and all of that, okay? But this is really what we're coming to is becoming a people of prayer. Not just behavior modification, but praying. Sometimes the most difficult thing to pray is God, no matter what it takes, whatever's inside of me and you, that is not for your will, that is not about you, that is being, that believing in lies and kind of this fraud that Satan is perpetrating, whatever it takes, bring it into the light. Above all and everything else. Okay. This is heavy. This is super heavy. Um, so, uh, again, this is where we're going with it. Um, and uh, we've covered five and six and seven. This is Jesus teaching us what does it look like to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors ourselves. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about us or have any questions, please visit ClemsonFoothills.com. You can also text Foothills to 94000 to stay up to date on everything going on here at CFC.